We're gonna read in English first. 好，我们先从英文开始念。All right. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, and against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. 最后，你们要靠主的大能大力。在它里面刚强，要穿戴神所赐的全副军装，使你们能抵挡抵挡魔鬼的诡计。因为我们的征战对抗的不是有血肉的人，而是执政的、掌权的、管辖这黑暗世界的和天上的邪灵。Would you pray with me？ 好，我们一起来祷告。Holy Spirit， we thank you for your presence。圣灵，我们谢谢你的同在。And Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. 天上的父，我们奉奉主耶稣的名，就是宣告。May all that we say, may all that we do. 那我让我们说是今天所分享的，我们所做的所有事情。Be for His glory and for His glory alone. 都是为了神主耶稣的荣耀，单单是为了他。Now as we open Your Word. 那来我们打开你的话语。May the The meditations of our hearts, the words of our mouth, be pleasing before you, God. Let our hearts meditate on your words, and our mouths say praise to your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 She's able to serve today. And I gave her a bit of a challenge in her first time back. Ah, 对，第一次要做两个事情，有一点点挑战。Right, so we're going to jump right into it. 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 By the Lord and by His vast strength. That he says, "Is we need to be strong in the Lord and by His vast strength." That he says, "Is we need to be strong in the Lord and by His vast strength." That he says, "Is we need to be strong in the Lord and by His vast strength." Now Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus. That actually, Paul is writing to some, uh, is the Ephesian church. And this church is experiencing division, persecution. That this church is experiencing division, Be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. We must rely on the Lord's strength. In this book of Ephesians, that so in Ephesians, there is this phrase called "in Christ." That this phrase, you can circle it in your Bible. It's repeated about twenty times in this book alone. That if you turn it around, this phrase has appeared in this book over twenty times. And Paul repeats it here. That Paul here again says it. What's his point? The point is this, church. Spiritual warfare. The work of spiritual warfare. It is not for you or for me to beat the devil. It is not for us to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus has already done that. 
Your orders as a Christian is to be strengthened, is to stand in Christ. And as Paul is going to begin to talk about this battle that we're in, he doesn't place the burden of that fight on your shoulders or on mine. Because Jesus already did that on the cross and through his resurrection. And so our work, church family, it is to stand in Christ. You know, when, when I was younger, this was kind of a big deal in the States, and I know it was in Taiwan as well. But we had these things called sumo suits. And it was like you put on these suits and you just felt emboldened and strengthened. And for some reason, this was really popular in youth groups. All of those young kids with energy, I guess. And we put them on and you would just run as fast and as hard as you could together just to hit each other. Because your body is not going to take the brunt or the force of that hit. This big suit is. In church, it's the same in the gospel. That we can run full force in the strength of Christ. And so Paul says, number one, church, be strengthened by Christ's strength. How do we do that? He says, put on the full armor of God. We're going to talk about that in a second. So that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. If you were writing or taking notes, the main idea of this sermon is this. Because Christ is supreme. We can stand against the devil's schemes. And so here Paul says, we need Christ's strength because the devil has schemes. And what Paul is beginning to tell us, church family, is that the devil is not some um, incompetent enemy that we face. The word scheme here that Paul uses is a logical, systematic, orderly plan. That the devil has a war plan to attack, to destroy your faith as a Christian. And whenever we talk about Satan, 
Now we, we just do not need to think of him as like this red devil with wings and a pitchfork. Because the devil comes in a lot of different ways and uses a lot of different um, a lot of different methods. He comes as an angel of light, the Bible says. He comes through ideas, power structure, governments, political systems. And he uses all of these things, the Bible says, to make war against you and me as a Christian. And so there are five main ways we're just going to talk about what does the devil's strategy look like. There are five main ways that the devil attacks and comes against the church. The first one is temptation. This is one of the names that the Bible uses for Satan. He is a tempter. And the word temptation is the idea of like if you've ever gone fishing, it's a bait on a hook. This is what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to lure you. He wants to tempt you. And he wants to tempt you to justify or excuse sin in your life. I remember when I was a, a young pastor. Some of you guys think I'm still young. When I was younger, my wife and I were able to do some marital counseling with a couple. And this couple was a little bit older than us. And there was a lot of like vulnerability in these conversations. And I remember one day an email popped up in my inbox. And it was from this wife. And as I read through the email, I could see what the enemy was trying to do. That in the name of neediness or being vulnerable, I could tell that this, this woman was wanting to res, wanting me to respond to her through affection or even sexual advances. And here's the thing, church. Satan does not tempt you with something that you will not be maybe attracted to or drawn to. It's like the bait on a hook. We, maybe you find it to be good. Maybe you find it to be attractive. There's a hook right behind it. 
And he wants you to do it so you'll excuse or justify sin in your life that will destroy your witness. The second way that the enemy attacks us deception. The Bible says this in Revelation 12 9. So the great dragon was thrown out. The ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, listen to this, the one who deceives the whole world. Listen to the Bible. The Bible says that the, the enemy of our faith is deceiving the entire world that we live in. And when the Bible talks about Satan or spiritual forces, they call them forces of darkness. And darkness does not mean like it's, it's night different than the day. That's not what that word means. Darkness in the Bible is the opposite of truth, the truth of the gospel, the light of the gospel. And so when the enemy is operating in deception, he wants you to walk in ignorance or in false teaching or in falsehood, the opposite of truth. And I want to tell you the number one way that he does this. The number one way that, 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 that the enemy deceives the world is false teaching in the church. First John says this. He says, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. And this is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Paul was talking to his disciple Timothy. And he said this. Keep a close, close watch. On two things. Your life and your doctrine. Your life and your doctrine. Church family, we got to watch what we're eating spiritually. Just because a person has a YouTube channel and preaches from the Bible does not mean they are not a false teacher. Know the Bible. Trust the Holy Spirit. Keep a close watch. I remember uh, many years ago, 
I was kind of into this teacher that had a lot of YouTube videos. And more than his teaching, I think I was just probably impressed by his passion and his zeal. And I remember one of my good friends. He came to me. He said, bro. He said, man, you need to really be careful. Because this guy's teaching is wrong. Maybe he's doing things that seem right, but his teaching is wrong. And this is my fear. That so many of us are just being led astray because Satan is deceiving and going on deceiving the church through false teachers that look good on the outside. But their teaching is wrong. Keep a close watch. Third way, Satan attacks us through accusation. Revelation 12.10 Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, listen to this, who accuses them before our God day in, day, day in and day out has been thrown down. Have you ever wondered why you have just kind of this running record of thoughts in your mind? But Satan accuses you before God. And this is what he does. This is what he does to me. Is he reminds me of an accurate failure, of a real failure in my life, of a mistake that I've done, a sin that I've committed. And he wants to just leave it there and just let me sit in that guilt and in that condemnation. This is what Satan does through his accusation. He wants us to remember our failures and forget the gospel. He wants us to remember our failures, but forget the gospel. Not only does he accuse us to ourselves, but he also fills our mind with accusations toward other believers. All of a sudden, we begin to kind of have these accusing and ungodly thoughts towards other people in the church. Guys, when we do that, 
We're just coming in line with his method, with his attack way of doing things and accusing people just like he does. And the Bible makes it very clear. Where this kind of division is, where this kind of culture exists of gossip and accusation that is ungodly, the church is powerless. So, third way is accusation. Fourth one is possession. Now, this is very common in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see this. And here's the thing these are real, unregenerate people who are demonized. And we know people like this in Taiwan. And what these people need, they need to be set free by the power of Jesus. There is a very real thing called possession that people can be demonized. And it happens in the New Testament, it happens in the Gospels, and it happens today. And the final way that we see in the Bible that Satan attacks is a physical attack. See, Jesus calls Satan a murderer. Revelation calls Satan a destroyer. And big picture, I think where we see Satan's hand most closely linked to physical attack is in the persecution of the church. That when you look across history and you see the, the severe persecution of God's church at the hand of ungodly men. That we know that, that those crimes and that persecution find its origin in the schemes of the devil. But I also think at times. That he can attack us physically. And here's the I want to be careful here. Because the Bible doesn't say that everything that we deal with in our life is because of the devil. That we deal with our own sin. Which probably is, is most of our issues in life is just because of our own sin. We live in a fallen world. But the Bible does seem to give evidence that Satan can attack us physically. I've really shared this with many people. But beginning in the summer when we, when we started going into lockdown, 
I actually started experiencing panic attacks. And I had to go to the hospital. I thought I was, I mean, I thought I was literally dying. And I've had those uh, maybe a handful of times, and it's it's for me it's one of the worst experiences of my life, and I know some of you guys deal with that. Now sure, do I have a, a fallen body that is struggling with just the brokenness of the world that I live in? Sure. But I believe Satan uses those things in our life. To just beat you down. To wear you down. And some of you guys are struggling with insomnia. Some of you guys are struggling with depression. Some of us are struggling with panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And the devil uses those things just to beat you down and make you want to quit. And I think that's why Paul says, going on in verse 12, he says, for our struggle. That, that, that because we have a real enemy who has schemes against us to take us out. He says we struggle. I love Paul here because he calls it our struggle. Paul is speaking to you, church, as someone from the struggle. And I am speaking to you today. Please hear me from a place of weakness, from a place of struggle. You know, when it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to the Christian life, there's two extremes. One is denial. No, none of this exists. We don't have a real enemy. We don't have these kind of problems. The other one is what we call triumphalism. And what that means is like, well, every day I'm just beating the devil, I'm stomping it under my feet, and I don't have any problems. But that's not what the Bible says, is it? Paul calls it a struggle. Praise God that He knows how we feel and what we struggle with. And some of you right now, you feel condemned. Because you're in the struggle. But Paul says that this is the reality of our Christian life. And so he calls you and me in the midst of our struggle. And he calls us to put our focus, our heart, our attention on Christ. The word struggle here that Paul uses. 
It's a word that means wrestling. I don't know how many of you guys watched the wrestling on the Olympics. I know we have some wrestlers in our community. But wrestling is a really awkward sport. I mean, you can look at this picture. It is like really intimate, close contact. You're rubbing, you are attacking, you're turning. I remember when I when I tried wrestling for a little bit, you can like literally hear the person breathing in your ear. And this picture is how the Bible describes the Christian life. It is a struggle. But not against your wife, not against your husband, not against your kids, not against our boss or our neighbors. The struggle is against spiritual powers and forces of darkness. You know, I hate roaches. Even seeing this picture on the screen, like I don't even look at it. But I know living in Taiwan, I'm just going to have to deal with the reality if there's going to be roaches in my life. And Paul says this the reality of you as a Christian. Is you are going to have conflict with a spiritual enemy. By being a disciple of Jesus, your life will consist of spiritual warfare of a struggle. So Paul says, for this reason, because Christ is supreme, because the devil is real. He said, take up the full armor of God. And stand. Stand. This word stand is repeated three times in this script, in this verses. And I just want to say something to, to us as a church family. What the Bible tells us here is that we are called to stand against. It is not to lay down. That, that listen, our job as a Christian, our, our identity as Christians, it is not to be pushovers. And here's the thing. There's, there's this kind of cultural idea in, in Taiwan, but also in America. And it's like, or, and in the States, sometimes we call this Southern hospitality. And it's this idea or this belief that all we need to do as Christians is just be nice. 
And there is a very real attack, I believe, right now from Satan, but also through ideas and beliefs. What the world wants most from you right now is just to lay down and be nice. Don't stand up. Don't stand against these spiritual forces of evil and darkness that are coming through our culture and our governments and our education systems. As Scott preached several months ago, the enemy just kind of wants to lull you to sleep. Will you just please lay down and just just be nice, just go to sleep? But church, your call, my call is to stand. Sometimes the gospel is offensive, church. And at the end of my life, I do not want everybody believing that I was the nicest person, but I never shared the offensiveness of the gospel. I never took a stand. I'm not talking about being a jerk for Jesus. Talking about standing and resisting spiritual forces of darkness and evil that exist right now in our culture, in our neighborhood, in our city. How do we do that? Paul says, take up the full armor of God. And what this means, church, God has given you everything you need to fight this fight. Full armor. God has given you what you need. I remember there was a there was a several years ago. There's a story that came out about World War II. And, and there was a country. And uh, what they did is they they made they made these special weapons for their soldiers. And they thought it would be great, this great idea that if they made the guns to bend at the very end, they could actually like go up to a corner and the gun could shoot around the corner at the enemy that was attacking them. And so this nation sent their soldiers equipped with these weapons. And, and, and you know what happened? These soldiers are ready to go. The enemy is coming to attack them to take their life. And they go to fire these guns that are supposed to shoot around the corner. And they end up blowing up or not shooting, completely ineffective. But that is not the weapons that God has given us. The Bible says that God has given us powerful and effective weapons here in 2 Corinthians. 
Powerful and effective. So what do these look like? It's the armor of God. And I wish we could go through every single one. We don't have time to do that. I would love to go through every single piece of armor. Let me sum this up for you. All of the armor, all of it, talks about your identity in Christ. All of it is about Jesus. When it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to fighting this battle, the Bible does not say that we should spend all of our energy and all of our time focusing on the devil. That's what he wants from you. He wants your attention. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the spiritual warfare is about taking all of our attention, all of our devotion, all of our energy and focusing it on Christ standing in Jesus walking with Jesus in the power of the Spirit that is the work of the Christian so Paul goes through this armor and he says clothe yourselves with it Put it on. Just if you're going to battle and you didn't put your armor on, you'd be vulnerable to attack. That's the same thing for the Christian. We need to clothe ourselves in the spiritual armor of God, in our identity in Christ. But at the very end of these verses, is we're going to close, Paul gives us two ways that mean you can actually fight. At the very end, he says this, he says in verse 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the sword of the Spirit is our only offensive weapon. It's what we attack with. So how do we fight with the word? How do we do battle? Two ways that Paul says. Specifically with the word. In verse 18 to 20, if you look at your Bibles, Paul mentions pray. Five times. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Every prayer, every request, all perseverance for all the saints. So Paul says pray at all times in all things for all people. This is how we fight. Praying in the Spirit. This word in the Spirit. 
I do not think Paul is talking about tongues here. I, I, I believe in the gift of tongues. When Paul says pray in the Spirit, he says pray that in a prayer that conforms to the will and the purpose of the Holy Spirit of God. And so I believe that this prayer that he's talking about in the Spirit is closely linked to our sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. And so what this means for you, grab your Bible, pray Scripture, like, go home right now, and if you don't have it, you need to mark out some Scripture for your spouse, if you have kids, man, have scriptures that you've already marked out that you are praying over your kids, either when they go to bed, when they wake up, when they're at school. Have scriptures that you're praying for your neighbor, for the city, for this nation. Because Paul says that's how we fight. That's how we use the sword is by praying the word. But the second thing that he says that we do to fight is he says this. Verse 19, pray also for me. That I may open my mouth. Right? Sometimes, some, sometimes the hardest thing is just for us to open our mouths, isn't it? And he says, preach. Pray the word. We preach the word. We preach the gospel church. And that's how we fight. What does this gospel say? It says that our victory is sure. That Christ is supreme. The devil is real. But church, our victory is sure. So we're going to close Hebrews 2 and 14. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these so that through his death, he might destroy, listen to that, destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil. And so church, here's the truth that the Bible says to us. Well, every person in this world will experience the struggle of life and the struggle of living in a fallen world and of sin and Satan. Only the Christian will experience the victory of Jesus. That everybody's going to experience the struggle, but only the Christian, those of us who are in Christ, will experience and receive the victory of Jesus. Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying to you. He says, listen. 
Going back to, to, to wrestling our struggle. Jesus has already pinned, he's already defeated the devil. And it's almost like Jesus is just sitting on the devil, he is defeated. And he's saying, Come on. Come and join me in this fight. I've already defeated him, but come and join me in this fight. One other pastor said it this way. He said it's like Jesus is going up to bat. He hit the home run. But we get to run the bases. Stand, church. Stand knowing that your victory is sure. Stand knowing that Christ is supreme. Stand because your enemy is real. And stand because God has given us everything that we need to fight this fight. As we close in our time this afternoon, I want to just, just say one last thing. Some of you might now might be experiencing some really heightened sense of spiritual warfare where you feel like you are in bondage. And I want you to know that there are people, there are plenty of people that would love to pray with you, pray for you. But if you are a Christian, you can pray in the name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. And you can, you can in the name of Jesus, rebuke spiritual attack in your life. And that's the power, that's the authority that we have in Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word. God, thank you that you've called us to resist. You've called us to resist sin. You called us to resist Satan. And so, God, we thank you that we do not do this in our own strength. But we do this in our strength that comes from you. God, I pray right now that, that people would just would, would be assured of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And God, I pray that we would not bow down to the culture's idea that we should just lay down. I pray that we would not lay down in fear. God, that we would stand up and rise up with courage. God, would you use city light to pray the word over Linko and over our neighbors? And would you use City Light to preach the word of the gospel, this victorious gospel, for our neighbors and for the city of Lincoln? God, I pray that, that people in our church, in our community, Christians, would be strengthened by your strength. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Church family, we love you. And next week, if you're able to gather together 4:30 outside. And if not, we'll see you online at 3 o'clock. Bless you. Walk in the power of Christ and the power of the Spirit. Continue to stand. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Good. It is. Huh?